the Providence College Friars. Will the party ever end tonight down to Providence? The Big East. And the rest of the college hoops world. You know that the party will not end. This is the Providence Crier Podcast with your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Zerwitz. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Providence Crier podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, at Providence Crier. Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Join with me, as always. We had BOC in the house. Follow him on Twitter at BOC all day. Today is Thursday, January 4th. Um, you know, we're recording on a Thursday. Probably going to try and drop this as soon as we're done recording. Um, a tough a tough day at BOC, um, as it was confirmed early on Thursday morning. Bryce Hopkins did, in fact, tear his ACL against Seton Hall. Um, happened. About 15 minutes left in the game. Um, he is done for the year. Um, you know, PC ends up losing the seat and all, but honestly, like I tweeted this morning, that that seems secondary. Um, you know, losing Hopkins, I mean, you hate to see it to anyone, but a guy that's as important to the squad and what they can do um, in terms of, I guess, ceiling this year. This is a massive, massive blow, man. You feel terrible for the kid. Uh, and you feel terrible for him because this may have been his, we'll call like his free agency year where his next step was potentially getting a big contract in the NBA, right? Um, and now those plans are completely put on halt and his focus <clears throat> uh, is just getting healthy. When uh, So our thoughts are in the most sincere sense are with Bryce and his family, because excuse me, I, um, I can't imagine what he's going through the emotional roller coaster. The, when the injury happened at the under 16 timeout, I was going to my kitchen to get a drink. And like what I do during like a timeout, I'll go to the bathroom, get, go grab a glass of water. I stopped in my tracks because as I was going to, it was after the Devin Carter make, after I, after the timeout, you hear just this shrieking from the TV, and I'm and I stopped dead in my tracks, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" And then you see Devin Carter. They pan to Devin Carter, like looking nervously at center court, and then you just see Hopkins on the ground, and the screaming was like something that I won't forget because that's you could tell clearly he was in a lot of pain. Um, so it just puts a damper on an otherwise really crappy night too. Um, but they need to go next man in, as Kim English said in the post-game press conference. As bad as you feel for Bryce, nobody else in the Big East is going to feel bad for you and they're going to beat up on you or they're going to try and beat you at, as if you have a whole full healthy lineup. So English says, so what now? What? I, I think we're going to put that mantra to the test. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say that, like, all the way up in 234, we actually didn't hear it. Um, you know, talking to some folks 
outside the game afterwards. Some did hear it. Um, I didn't. Um, you, you'll if, if you did hear, like if you were watching on TV, you'll never forget it. It was. Yeah, I didn't rewatch. I, I don't no. plan to rewatch. I, I don't. Anybody listening to this, don't don't rewatch it. It's a grown ass man screaming in agony. It was it was a tough listen and. Again, I was like, what happened? My first thought is I stopped dead in my tracks and as I was going to the kitchen. I was like, what What happened in the stadium? Did something go wrong? Because it was after Devin Carter make. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe somebody, maybe there was a fight. I, and then you just see Hopkins on the ground. It, it's terrible. Um, but again, you, you need to move it forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's obviously next man up mentality, all that sort of stuff. But Dude, like losing him is is, is so critical. Because I mean, listen, you can you can complain about his shooting stats all you want, and that's fine. But um, he was still having a, a very good season, um, and he's still very important to what this team does. I mean, what this team does is predicated on Hopkins, Carter, and Arduro, those three, and then the other guys playing off them. Um, and, you know, they kind of had a three-headed monster, and it kind of let all of them have kind of joint success this year. Because, like, think about it. It's like pick your poison. And you got Devin Carter, who's playing the best basketball of his career. Um, you know, Josh Arduro has been – has had no issues. And we'll talk about him later. Um, has had no issues adjusting, uh, I would say. Um, and Hopkins was still doing Hopkins stuff. And on top of that, BOC, uh, his defense this year is improved immensely. Uh, immensely. And it's kind of interesting. Dre Davis only had four points after the four of his 17 points came after the Hopkins injury, which I was kind of surprised by. Um, granted, he he tried to hunt Hopkins every time and it was kind of ma- mixed success. I really like that guy's game. He just, to me, he kind of just shoots it way too much. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the defense from Hopkins this year has been stellar. Um, you're going to lose his rebounding. And then his scoring, his ability to get to the line, get to the free throw, uh, you know, get to the free, free throw line, draw fouls, what have you. So, I mean, it's just a massive, like, I don't think you do replace Bryce Hopkins. And no. we'll get into where they go from there uh, a little later in the episode here um, when we kind of get into Creighton and uh, how how they play going forward. But I honestly don't know. Um, it's so, tough. So I think two things can be true in that there's two things that are absolutely true. Hopkins hasn't been performing relative to preseason expectations. I think everybody would agree with that. He's hasn't been what? shooting it well. He, he had, well, I'll give you a but because, like, he's essentially at outside the shooting percentages. He's essentially doing what he did last year when he was unanimous Biggie's first teamer. Uh, yeah, he's also attempt. I mean, you and I kind of disagree on this, but it's easy to put up the points he's putting up with the amount of shots he's taking. He's been very inefficient. Um, but anyway, so I think most most would say he's probably not living up to expectations that people thrust upon him and maybe at unrealistic expectations. You could also say that um, while also saying in parallel, 
we have no replacement for him. And it's a massive loss because nobody can rebound the way he can at the four. He's the best rebounder on the team. It's not close. He is has an ability to draw fouls that maybe Carter's comparable. I, I maybe not. I don't know. Um, so he can get to the line. Um and and we don't have front court depth. If this was an injury to again, like when Pierre got injured, we were like, oh, that's not great. Granted, the the severity of injuries are vastly different. Um but if a guard gets injured, you're like, okay, well, we have a really deep backcourt. We don't have a deep front court. What did we say at the beginning of the season was the one thing that could derail the season? We said health in the front court. And look what the hell happens. We thought, like, you know, like we were talking more so about Odoro because we don't have a backup five. This is worse. <laughs> um, I think people listening to it are like trying to look for a silver lining from us. We'll, we'll try and get there, but it's also okay to be realistic and say this is a massive, massive, massive loss. And English has his work cut out for him because this is going to be one of the tougher coaching jobs of his young career moving forward because of how deep the Big East is. So you could say Hopkins probably hasn't lived up to expectations while also saying we have no replacement for him and we have no answer to him getting injured. And that's a really scary place that the Friars are in right now. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, I've just been thinking about like what, I I guess what could have been right. Like um, if McNair doesn't leave, I I know McNair doesn't, doesn't play his position, but if McNair doesn't leave, then okay. Maybe you have some more flexibility to get away with, Losing Hopkins. Um, another thing I thought about, like, what if they had just added a portal guy that had to sit out this year to only find out that the NCAA would get sued and then uh, they would um, allow them all to be eligible? Like, if they had just done that, you know, maybe that would lighten the load. Um, I don't I don't fault English though because he. I'm, actually, I'm not trying to fault him, but it's just like, what if? Like, what if yeah. they had just done that? They would be yeah. in a much better spot. Yeah. And it's too late. It's too late to add anyone to the team. Um, I reached out to Trilly Donovan via DM, and, and I asked him, um, "Is there any chance?" I mean, Providence's second semester technically hasn't started yet. Uh, is there any chance you can get anyone in the portal at this point? And he was like, no, it is over. Um, he didn't say Providence season's over. He said adding guys, you know, you can no longer do it past um, now that we've reached the midpoint of the season. So, um, so yeah, it's going to have to be a team effort. And we'll talk about the guys who we may think may fill that role, but just terrible, um, you know. I feel horrible for Bryce as well. You know, we kind of talked about this. I, maybe on the last pod, it was a conversation about Carter being a leader of the team and, you know, being a good person in the community. You know, Bryce may not be that rah-rah guy, but I do think he's definitely a face of your program. He's definitely a guy that puts himself out there in the community um, and gives back and he, you know, that always has a smile on his face, it seems. And you're, you're happy. It just sucks. Yeah. You're happy to have him be a representative of Providence College and the basketball team because he's a great, he's a class act from what I've what I've seen from the brief conversations I've had. Um 
class act, comes from a good family. So, I mean, hopefully this isn't too callous, but does this, <laughs> does this help our chances of him returning for next year? See, I was thinking about that too. And I don't um, I like for the folks listening, I don't, I don't mean that. I'm like, Oh, this is like a silver lining. Like it sucks. He got injured because I think the ceiling for the ceiling for this season is much lower now. Um, but I'm grasping at straws trying to find anything that can, you know, like a beacon of hope in the darkness and the abyss here. And maybe this, maybe this means Bryce rehabs and comes back for another year to show, to show out and show he can be healthy and still produce. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, your chances are probably better than they were. had this not happened, right? Having said that though, I really don't know. Like he could, cause like, think about this. You, he tears it at the very beginning of 2024. I, you know, I've said this about other guys in the Big East who've come back from injury. So I'm not going to change my stance on this now that it's one of our guys going to try and do it next season, right? But coming back from the injury midseason is is brutal. It's tough. It's just tough. Um, you know, Justin Moore with the Achilles last year. Um, you know, a cook, a cook with UConn. Um, also Achilles. Granted, Achilles is worse injury than than your ACL uh, this day and age, um, but still a significant injury. And you're looking at you know an eight to twelve month rehab here. So, would he want to come back and do that and, and return mid season? I I don't know, man. I, I really don't. Um, you might just want to say, you know what, screw it. Um, I'll start working out for <laughs> for NBA teams or or whatever. Um, but it, it's possible. But I don't know. It's it's a tough situation, BSC. How do yeah. you feel about? It? I think I think it improves our chances of him returning next year. Um, because again, to the point I made before, uh. He, he wasn't getting drafted, even healthy, um, the way the season was going, in my opinion. Um, so now, so now they're not going to they're not going to draft somebody who has an ACL injury on top of somebody who wasn't producing or shooting at a caliber you need to be an NBA player. Um, so I think he rehabs, comes back next year, and shows he can still produce, and shows maybe he the 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 shooting. Um, the 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 pains he's had shooting this year are were an anomaly and he actually can stroke it with consistency. So I think it'd benefit him to come back next year because I don't think he'll be drafted. Um but sometimes right. some people just some people just want to get on with their professional life and I can't fault him for that if that's the case. And then not only that though, BS, BOC, I mean the, I think there is a possible there is a world in which Bryce Hopkins you know, if we lose Devin Carter, it's like, uh, I'd rather not – I want to come back to college, but maybe not at Providence College. I, like, I think that's something that you got to think about, too. Dude, I, I, somebody brought that up today on Twitter, and I just didn't want to think about that. I mean, I, I don't either, but uh, but I, I do think that's on the table as well. So a lot of unknowns with this um, going in here. 
but but man um so how, so let's, let's how do what what are some lineup options to re, to not replace to what are some of the lineup options now that Hopkins is out um so i mean when he was out those final 15 minutes they played a lot of the same lineup um and i believe it was Pierre, Floyd, Carter, Gaines, Odura. Pretty sure they stuck with that for the majority. Now, you know, this has come up in some Twitter groups and stuff. Um, slide slide uh, ticket to the floor. He's got the size. He's got the height. He hasn't got the size. <laughs> um, I think he would really struggle defending most Biggie's four men. Um just from like a physicality standpoint. Um, now, having said that, obviously he's a better shooting option at the four. So I think that's something that him will do, but I don't think that's a long-term solution. Um, it's a lineup they'll definitely use, like for sure. Like I have no doubt in my mind they'll use that lineup. But is that a long-term solution or do you look elsewhere? So I, I have I have two thoughts. Um, so the biggest miss with Hopkins is going to be his rebounding on the offensive and defensive end and his defense because his defense has been vastly improved. Um, and this goes back to the scene hall game last night and we'll get to that. Um, I think you I think you do two things. You put Corey Floyd Jr. in the starting lineup as the three, two or three, whatever. You, Carter and him are interchangeable. Um, so he, he can rebound. I think he was second on the team in rebounding last night. He had like six or seven boards. He was – and not a lot of minutes, like 19 minutes. Um, so Floyd played really good ball last night. And he's shown in spurts he can do it, but now he's going to probably have the most amount of playing time he's ever had um, besides like the little period where Pierre was hurt. But um, – and Duol. Um so I would put Floyd Jr. in the starting lineup, and he's not a young pup anymore. He's technically, what, a sophomore, but it's his third year in college. Um, so I'd put Floyd in there at the two or three alongside Carter. And, and I, would, I would bench Pierre uh, and put Duol in the starting lineup. I think Pierre got cooked last night defensively. I thought he was incredibly indecisive on the offensive end, um, turned the ball over, and – we need more length now on the court because Hopkins is out and we need more rebounding and Duol at six, five is going to be a better rebounding threat from, from the guard spot than Pierre would be. I don't know if that's going to be a popular take. People may say, Hey, you're crazy. You're changing too much up just for the sake of changing it up because we had a bad game against Seton Hall. But I think that while it might be short-term growing pains, I think that's the best lineup moving forward. Yeah, so one thing I will say about Pierre, and listen, I've been pretty much the main guy beating the drum of the guards just haven't played well enough this year. Um, and, you know, they're too reliant on their, their three stars. Now, with Hopkins out of the equation, does that give a jolt to Pierre? Because he, he's definitely... The guys around, other than Ticket, who, like, listen, if he gets an open shot, he knows he has the green light, he's going to take it. 
seems like the other guys are kind of are a little more uh, deferential, d- deferred to Hop Carter, Hop uh, Hop Carter in Oduro, mm. uh, get them their looks, not really looking for their own looks. Um, so who knows? Maybe that can be um, a boost for either of those guys. Um, I'll 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 say in. Yeah, I'm, I'll say this. I think the ball movement is going to be better with Hopkins out. Um, I think the ball is going to stick less. Again, like my main complaint about Hopkins is he was just – he didn't know what he wanted to be on offense. So a lot of times he would almost be a little bit of a black hole on offense. I think we're a much – let me be clear, we're a much worse team without him than we are with him. But I do think the ball movement is going to be much more crisp. I think the ball is going to flow more. I think we're going to be better in transition. Um but we're going to sacrifice a lot on the glass and we're not going to have a guy you can just throw it to and say, Hey, go get us a bucket because Hopkins could do that for us. Um, so you're to your point, the reason I bring that up is because maybe Pierre benefits from the whole team benefits from just more fluid ball movement. Cause I do think that is something that is going to happen. Like I'm fairly confident in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, it, that certainly could be the case. Um, but now like you think about it, if you're saying that Pierre come off the bench, he could be an interesting six man, right? Kind of like what Bynum did, uh, at, at Providence two seasons ago. Um, th- I just, I think, I think now, hear me out though. What yeah, if yeah. you went Pierre floor, uh, Pierre Duval Carter and had Floyd as your six man? Uh, I don't hate that idea. I think it's a good idea. Um, I think we need some toughness on the boards to compensate for the lack of size. Yeah. And I, and I think Floyd's that dude. Um, sure. So I think you need, he needs, again, it's like we're arguing starting lineups. It's like, yeah, I mean, especially now, I mean, all three of them are going to have paramount yeah. roles going forward. It's just, it's fun. To, it's fun to talk about. So we're talking about it, but like, I would, of those three, you could probably argue that Floyd probably is going to get the most minutes out of all three of those guys. Yeah. Up here, do all in Floyd. So let's talk about some other unknowns here. And I know you're going to get excited. Let's talk about the, Dickie Barrett. <laughs> the prodigal son is coming to save the day. Dick, Dickie B is about to... Uh, I no, mean, he I, is from Chicago, BMC. Yeah, he's, he's going to put on the cape for Chicago. Um He's going to get more time. And from what we've seen of him, when he gets time, he plays well. Like, there ha- there have been a few times where I've said he doesn't deserve to be on the court. I don't think I've actually ever said that about him. Um, so he looks comfortable out there. But now let's see how comfortable he is, what, 15, 20 minutes in a Big East game on the road, for instance. Yeah. I mean, he could theoretically be your option at the floor. Call me crazy. He could be a, he could be a small ball four. Yeah. I think that is something that that could happen, uh, and then the 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 Baron legend will grow more rapidly. The, like more ex- the the timeline for him is more accelerated. The reason the reason why I'm saying though, like I think you should maybe start Duall over Pierre is, I think Pierre was a competent point guard in that he can run the offense for the three headed monster. 
now that we don't have that, we need somebody who can potentially reach their ceiling and do all ceiling in my opinion is much higher than Pierre's. So you need to find another way to raise the roof of this team's potential and do all getting a lot of time and potentially starting with the starters is a way to do that. I don't know. Um, it could also, it could also completely backfire and he just gets swallowed whole by the beast. Yeah. But that's, that's what's happening to Pierre right now. Yeah. Um, how about this? Is there any hope for Castro or is he just strictly now minutes behind Oduro and, and that's it? I don't, I don't see it, man. Cause I mean, I, I mean, I kind of agree with you at this point, um, but it is interesting. Like if you put two of them to get like play, play both of them at the court at the same time, I feel like that could be a disaster uh, <laughs> defensively. Um, yes. Yes, Castro has athleticism, a little more rim protection than Hopkins, but in terms of knowing how to play, it, it he's just too erratic defensively and offensively for that matter. Dude, but you never you never know, never know. when you these never type know. Of, when these type of situations happen, you never know what what opportunity brings for certain players. Um again, this is this they're we're trying to find some positives in a, a negative night last night in Seton Hall and the injury, but maybe it speeds up the development of some young guys. Um, and that, that's, that's a good thing. Um, got two more for you. Oh, all right. The Eli DeLoria is not starting. Like, so I, I didn't say start. I did not say start. I don't really know what the deal is with his red shirt. If he is red shirting or not, or if he's even healthy, but maybe an opportunity for him. I think he's about three years away from contributing. He's three years away from being three years away. Exactly. Famous friend, friend for show line, uh, discussing Rio Tobacco, uh, Raptors draft pick. That's a throwback, BMC. Um, I don't know, man. He like showed me stuff in the preseason. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. Other guy, Justin Fernandez. Is he healthy? Do we play him? I mean, this day and age, we've talked about this before. To me, I think red shirts stupid. Like guys leave, you know, whatever. Guys are aren't staying four years, especially not in the same place. Um, if you're in an emergency situation, would you? And he's good to go. Would he have a role in the state? May have a role now, um, but I think there were probably, if I had to guess, they pro- there was probably an agreement that with this injury, we're going to preserve a year of eligibility for you. Um, and if this injury changes things for Fernandez and he's good to go, that's a sit down you have with him and his family and say, we think he's ready and we need him. What are your thoughts? And if they say, no, we still want to preserve a year of eligibility. Well, I think you have to do what's best for the team. I can understand his perspective and just deciding to to redshirt. But again, we don't even know if he's completely healthy, so it might be a moot point. Yeah, All right, I think that that's pretty much the roster. Unless you think uh, uh, Luke Fonts will uh, play the four. <laughs> quad Quadri's coming back to play the four. Quadzilla. Ah, <laughs> man, but like. All right, we, we kind of did this in reverse order. We kind of wanted to save that for 
the Creighton game, but that's fine. Um, I'm happy we went through it. Um, other guys that, that I'll just throw out that, that I've heard, uh, Alan Breed, no, that's not happening. He's not going to burn his last year of eligibility for two months. I would uh, lose I would lose my freaking mind if he came back. But he also doesn't solve the problem in the league. So I know he does, he does nothing. He does nothing for the pro for the solution, but I would be so stoked. Um a guy I, I threw out there, Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> Let's bring him in. Let's bring him in. Uh and then uh yeah, no, I think that's 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 the only two I I threw that one out there, and, and I saw a lot of Bree talk uh, bringing him back. Bree doesn't solve anything. No, I know. Oh, I know. Uh, it would make so much more sense if, like, Pierre and Duval got hurt. <laughs> he, like, yeah. He's not a yeah. four. Um, no, you're, I, talking, you're talking to the world's biggest Alan Breed fan. I know. <laughs> Oswin to 2023? <laughs> yeah, Os- Oswin reclasses a year and a half. And is now our starting four. He was at the game. Uh, dude. He, was, he was there last night. I mean, starting to be a little bad luck for us. Yeah, dude. Like, stop attending last two games. Yeah. How, how many games? We've lost three games, right? Yeah. Yeah. Stop. It's been the two of them. Stop showing up, dude. Just commit. Just commit and wear the jersey. Um, <laughs> but it, really, really interesting. I know we're bouncing around, which is it's fine. It's fun. Um, there was a lot of, uh, you know, if you follow recruiting, there's crystal balls, and a lot of crystal balls were put in place for Oswin, Oklahoma, prior yeah. to that, prior to last night. So people thought it was a done deal, and Oswin kind of came in under the radar to the attend. Like not many people knew he was even attending last night. So if you see things on Twitter, um, again, we're record- recording this Thursday night. If you see things on Twitter that are from like Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday morning about a crystal ball, just know that that was before he visited Providence uh, for the game Wednesday night. So we're absolutely still in the thick of it. I think NIL is a big component here. And I think if I had to put the tea leaves together, I think probably Oklahoma's NIL package is more appealing than ours, if I had to guess. But the fact that he keeps attending makes me think it might be where his heart is. But sometimes your wallet means more than your heart. Um, and you can't fault somebody for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, I just can't get over it. Like, I'm literally, like, sick and, and depressed over this. Like, I drove home from Providence last night, uh, and I played Cole, a cold play the entire, the entire drive home. It's going to totally screw up my Spotify algorithm. Yeah, see. But I just listened to sad cold play music the entire time. Dude, that, that's... Uh, that is, and that was one I was hoping that it was a hyperextended knee. I still had a little bit of hope. Oh, just devastating. But all right, so obviously, that's the huge storyline from Wednesday's game. We haven't even said the score, it was 61 57. Uh, Seton Hall, the Pirates once again, poop in the punch bowl that is Friars basketball. Like, what the hell? I mean, at least, at least this game we saw effort, uh, and we saw a team that came to play, but it just really didn't. Uh, it, it didn't work itself out. Uh, a lot of missed shots. Um, the offense really struggled, um, especially in the first half. I mean, they were up nineteen ten, and 
it seemed like they were cruising. And then they score five points the remainder of the half. Yeah, and we talked about this in our recap article, and I think it's a really good point. Um, we've been a team that chucks up a fair amount of threes. I wouldn't say we live and die by the three, but we do much more than what we're used to. And again, we're hyper focused on Providence, but maybe it was I didn't look at I didn't rewatch the game for obvious reasons. Um, I'd rather watch grass grow. Um, I I wonder if it's Seton Hall doing a really good job of taking away the three ball from us because what did we only shoot 17 threes last night? Yeah, in the previous three games, Providence had averaged 31 attempts per game. So I don't know if it's something that Seton Hall did or if that was a game plan of Coach English to go away from the three. I'd be surprised by that because that's not in his DNA. Um, I think it was a little bit of both. I think, yes, you do got to give credit to the Pirates. Um, they, they got they, they just got scrappy players kind of across the board. Yeah. Um, and they got pretty good size and length. Um, Ticket only took one three. That was crazy to me. That's unacceptable. I, I did feel like they did a good job with him, though. I, I, I specifically remember kind of keeping my eye on him. And being like, let's see if he gets open. And it just wasn't available. Um, I don't think Kim wanted to go away from it necessarily. I think he just ultimately fell in that trap because Josh Adora went five for five and start the game. Yeah, so maybe it was almost fool's gold with him being so productive from uh, the paint. Yeah, for sure. The problem is, what did, what did Odoro do? He was nine of... He was nine of 21, so that nine, means nine four 20. of his last 16 shots. But I think, like, when you were watching a lot of those shots, of the 21 shots, how many did you, honestly, how many did you say that was a really bad take? Not that many. Maybe, like, maybe, one or two. Maybe one or two? Yeah. So, on a normal night, he probably goes, what, 14 of 21? But I did also think, though, that, like, he tried to, like, do, like, on a few occasions. Try to do like too many moves. Uh-oh. It, was it, could weird. Be, it could be because Hop again, talking about Hopkins injury, because he was trying to shoulder the load more with Hopkins out. Yeah, no, for sure. And then like, you know, if you rem- remember pretty much the final seven minutes of that game, it, it, it went between like a six and four point game. Um, if my memory serves me correctly. Mm-hmm. Um and they just did not go for any threes <laughs> during that time. Um, yeah. I was a bit surprised. So they took 17, and I was like, okay, they must have taken like 12 in the first half and then five in the second half. No, that actually wasn't the case. They took like nine in the first half, I think, and then eight in the second half. So it's pretty even. But down the stretch, they, outside of late attempts, they really didn't look for the three ball. Um, they were looking to score inside. Um. Yeah, it like there was just so many plays where it was like post, post up Oduro, feed him the ball, and then everyone get out, get the fuck out of the way. Like everyone ran to the other side of the court, and it went completely ISO. Which I'm um, kind of, I'm kind of okay with that, to be honest. Yeah, sometimes for sure, but I just think they kind of be, just became too predictable. I agree with that. Um, and, you know, I know, so, in our text group, 
I told you, you know, they, they start out slow, right? And I'm just like, the vibes are not good here. I, I don't like this. And and you wrote it off as hogwash, uh, not believing that stuff. You said they gotta, they can't rely on the crowd to carry them all the time, which is fair, I think. But I honestly think you had to be there because it was so weird, dude. So the game tips at six thirty, tough tip time. I totally get that. Um, I got there just like with fifteen minutes before the game started. Went right into the arena. No, no pregame. Um, so I get it. That's a tough time. Tough tip time. I, I hate that Fox Sports does it, to be honest with you. Um, especially when they have multiple channels and the app. Like, come on. Um, so, late arriving crowd. But there was a good amount of people. Yes, the students were there. And I, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Because the crowd was great against Butler. And the crowd was great against Marquette. Granted, there was the stay uh, for Marquette, where upperclassmen did stay and went to the game in the student section. But those are two games where we were on break, and the crowds were awesome. I don't know what it was. The buzz in the building was just not there. Um, I texted you this later. They had to restart the anthem. Uh, only they to start only doing the dominant. anthem. Yeah. And then there's a... A, a screeching microphone. They just literally had to stop and restart it. Um, the place wasn't wasn't into it. I felt like the, they we finally got into it after the Hopkins injury, but before then, it just wasn't the case. Um, and I it wasn't even like DePaul played the crowd out of it. Or DePaul, seeing all played the crowd out of it. Um. Because, like I said, we, we were up 19 to 10. Yeah. And even then, the place wasn't bumping. Um, everything just felt off and weird. And, like, I, I told you in the group, I was like, I just have a bad, bad feeling about this. About all this. Yeah, it's, um again, I can't speak to it because I wasn't there. Um, but I remember even, like, flipping it on in the game. And, obviously, I was looking forward to it for couple days now but when the game came on it was like inside me there wasn't this like oh so i'm so excited it's like oh great i get to watch friars play again and maybe it's the holiday hangover maybe people are just getting back in the swing of things i don't know but seems like the feelings i had seemed to resonate with everybody in the stadium definitely definitely i mean like it's crazy look i'll I'll look at myself in the mirror too maybe maybe i could have done things differently um did you show up late no, I, I was I was on time. Right, Maybe good. that's the problem. Some yes, yeah. Um, no, it was it was just it was just awful, and I I just got this weird sense the entire game, and of course Hopkins goes down, um, and yeah, it's 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 devastating. Um, but so, still, despite all of that, BOC the Fire still had a chance to send us to overtime and steal it again because of. Because of the the Corey Floyd defense, man. I'm telling you, some things that he does, he brought a lot of really good minutes, and I hope he carries that over to Creighton. Because man, we're gonna we're gonna need a all hands on deck effort if we're gonna try and steal one on the road. Yeah, for sure. Um, just just two quick things um before we wrap up talking about the hall game. Um 
when Corey Floyd had that, or no, was that Duhall? The, the alley oop from Carter? Or was that Floyd? That's Floyd. It was Floyd. It was Floyd. Yeah. Um, when that happened, the place was 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 jumping. Then it, people got into it. Everyone's standing, so I can't really see at that point. And all of a sudden, the crowd got like it was weird. The initial reaction was was loud, and then there was like a brief pause, and then like it got louder. Yeah. And I thought, I thought what, oh, what? It was pulling a a Willis oh, Reed, Willis Reed yeah. all tears. Oh, I I thought he was coming out of the tunnel, man. I really did. I really did. Um, but then that play, late in the game, I decided to go in the aisle uh, to get a better vantage point. And I saw that thing through and through. I was like, that's awful. That's awful. Apparently it was closer than I thought it was. It just you couldn't you couldn't tell if on the replay on TV because the lower part, Floyd touches it, but you couldn't tell if the scene hall player hit it with the top of his hand. Um Maybe it was just a camera angle, but it wasn't it wasn't clear and I thought it was the hall ball, but again oh, I was going nuts. I was like, that's our ball. That's our ball. We're getting the ball. We're getting the ball. Sure enough, we did. Um and you know they, they got Oduro on a on a post and just couldn't finish it. I, I thought it was going in. It really did. It was a good look too, right? That's like again, that was a really good look. Yeah. Yeah. Can't complain, but at the same time, you probably feel like Hall saw that coming, maybe. I don't know. Um, he was two feet away from the rim, and he, granted, he had to use his offhand. So, if you want to make a judgment on that, maybe you wish he used his right hand. But it's a it's a look he's made many, many times for Providence. Um, yeah. it's just, it just the ball didn't drop in. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, the defensive effort I thought was there. The offense just really struggled. You point out the turnovers in the recap. To me, I didn't think the turnovers were that big of a deal, although I will say there were two critical ones that really stymied um, momentum. The, the, and the ones that come to mind is the the tickets stepping out of bounds, lining up that's, three. Yeah, that's again, it's on Pierre. Like, he had no room. You don't make that pass. Like, But wasn't he calling for the ball? Yeah. I it was. I'm, yeah. You, he was, it was very crowded, and I was surprised he made that pass. Yeah. And then Oduro had a double dribble late in the game. Which was so weird because he was underneath the hoop. Like, you couldn't have gotten better position. I, I know. It, it, that was my thing. I thought, at times, he just tried to use too many moves out of the bag, BOC. Ugh. But, like, I just felt like, yes, 14 turnovers isn't good. They've been playing with fire all year with turnovers, and I think that's kind of what you're kind of alluding to, but... Yeah, I'm um, sick of I'm sick of it. But but I, I I just don't think like I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I don't think they scored a lot off turnovers. I could be wrong. But I felt that yeah, way. I, yeah, I don't I don't have those numbers in front of me. But you just especially with hop out, you need to take care of the ball. You can't do that stuff because we don't have we don't have the offensive firepower anymore. So we'll see we'll see against Creighton. Yeah, we will see against Creighton. So Friars take on the Creighton Blue Jays in Omaha on Saturday. Tip is set for 2 p.m. Um, it was a game, and we don't have the preview out yet. We'll, we'll get it out, though. It, it was a game that um, going in, I felt like we would lose, even with Hopkins. Yeah. But having said that, I think with Hopkins, we match up tremendously against that team. And I think we still might. But... 
I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I can't see them rallying right off the bat and getting a win. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to see a victory here. What do you think the spread's going to be? Like, if I had to guess, I would guess like minus nine and a half, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think Creighton's still pretty decent in the net. I think might have come down a little bit since now they're not ranked. Um, again, I don't know. Like, the spreads are really based off Kempom for the most part. And I don't know if there would be a huge change in that with with Hopkins being out. I could be wrong, but that's kind of the sense I get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, it might be eight and a half, nine and a half. Um, a few things I'll say with the Jays. Dude, we we can expose their point guard play. We should expose their point guard play. Well, I was gonna say, man, Ashworth, who's on my fantasy team, he's been horrible. Hopkins also on my fantasy team. So everyone thought my fantasy team sucked with Hopkins. Oh, just you wait. I don't think I have a win yet. I think I'm over two. Uh, just you wait for my fantasy team. Oh, boy. But I think I have to keep Hopkins now because we made it a keeper, BOC. Well, when, when, did, when, did you, uh, when did you draft him? First pick. <laughs> so maybe I don't. Uh, <laughs> so I don't – yeah. We have to talk. I don't think you can keep him, technically. I don't think I could. Oh, um, but yeah, no, I got Ashworth on my fantasy team. Hand up, I was completely wrong about Mr. Ashworth. I thought potentially he could be a better fit than Nemhard was with the Jays, um, solely based on his shooting ability. He struggled mightily shooting the ball this year. He is absolutely a liability on defense. They they don't play him late in games. He just doesn't play. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's been a disaster for them. I mean, talk about this, though, BFC. The one thing Crane has going for them, remember when Trey Alexander had to step in and play point guard? Yeah. It was the year we won the Big East. Um, that's only going to help them to deal with that issue. Um, but to me, that team is very – it's just not in a good spot. Um they seem to find their footing offensively in the second half against Georgetown. My hope is maybe that has them fat and happy and thinking they got their mojo back on offense. Um, A Georgetown team can do that for you. They certainly can, BOC. God, they're <laughs> terrible. Um, well, I think I think the biggest issue we're going to have is call Kramer. Really? I think, I think what – McDermott's going to tell him is don't don't bite on any pump fakes, do not leave your feet. Just wait for him to inevitably put his shot up. And it's not like Odoro has this crazy athleticism. Um, he might just be able to protect the rim. And Eric Dixon has had his way with Kalkbrenner. Uh, the difference is I don't know if it, Dixon can knock down a three ball. Odoro can can here and there, but that's not part of his offense his normal offensive game. So he yeah. can't really he can't really stretch him out. Um, but you would say that Dixon and and Odoro probably had the best post game oh, out of any sure. bigs in the Big East. For sure. And I think that's what Cockbreder really struggles with. Maybe dude, I would love to be wrong. I just I can foresee Odoro having a lot of trouble with Cockbreder. Just because of the you know, size. Yeah, you know what I hate about this game without Hopkins? Is like with Hopkins, you could probably go possessions where you had Hopkins on Charman. 
and then you can put Carter on on Trey Alexander. Now yeah. I think you probably have Carter just, you know, be around Shireman the entire time. No, I think they'll still. I still think they'll put. Uh, I think they'll Take put games, gain, gains yeah. on Shireman because Shireman, as good as he is, he wants to live at the three point line. Yeah, he's taking eight point six threes a game. Thirty six point seven percent. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're a team that they've shown it all year. If they can't shoot, they're not going to win. They, yeah. they don't have enough depth. Their defense. The past few years, Creighton's been a better defensive team than the typical Creighton. But um, the defense has some concerns. Um, I don't think they do well against athletic teams. And Providence certainly presents that problem. Um, But I don't know. They've already lost one at home. Probably not looking to lose another back-to-back. Um, especially, especially on a Saturday, yeah. It's, yeah, hmm. I think it's a tough. It's a really tough spot. Yeah, I'm not. Then we got to go on the road to uh, St. John's. Yeah, we really needed to pick that one up last night. Yeah, they did. I mean, you know, you're you're two and one now, dropping a home game. You only have seven home games left. Um, so, I mean, you got to get. Probably all of those. <laughs> they need to get the 20 wins to make the tournament. I still think this is a tournament team for what it's worth. Yeah, I think it's possible, but we'll kind of have to wait and see. Um, who knows? I mean, Illinois lost uh, Taron Shannon and <laughs> for for way different reasons. Yeah. Um, and they ended up getting back-to-back 30-point wins. Um, one of them over Northwestern, who's had a decent season beating Purdue. Um, so you never know. And by the way, I'm not pulling Andy Katz right now who actually put that in a tweet. Um, he was like two major storylines. Did you see this? No. Oh my God, dude. I, I had a feeling somebody would do it. I really didn't think it'd be him. It was like two major storylines in the big 10 and big East, like teams losing their star players. Taron Shannon's up. Is out for, for it's like, dude, you're really gonna c- compare a guy. Yeah, that's not that is that is the definition of Apple. He deleted it. Oh. He deleted it. Yep, yep. Uh, but it's still out there on Twitter. So, um, do you want to give a prediction? Uh, seventy-five, sixty-six, Creighton. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about going seventy-eight. 67. So we're both nine point losses. No, I'm 11. Oh, you're 11. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe we'll get that meetup. Maybe I hope we're both dead wrong. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Uh, um, you want to close this on a positive note? That I do, BOC. Um, so I've teased it the last two weeks. Um, and that's mainly because we wanted to make sure we ironed out the details and made sure that it was in fact happening, but it is happening. And we are excited to announce Friday, January 26th, you see that is January 26th, like a, a big date or is it near a big date? 
near the Georgetown game, baby. Oh, yeah, that's right. PC plays Georgetown January 27th. On January 26th, Friday, the Providence Crier Podcast will be doing a live show from the Black Sheep in Providence. Um, if you don't know where, where it is, it's on Fountain Street. I believe it's behind. It's like on the street behind. Um, Westminster? Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's on Westminster. But it's behind. It's the street behind um, Trinity. Um I know plenty of Friar fans are familiar with it, and I probably don't need to tell you where it is. But, um, yeah, we'll be doing a live show from the Black Sheep. 7.30 p.m., I believe, is, is when we're going to kick it off. Yep. Um, we'll, pro- we'll probably be there earlier. Um, they're doing they're doing half-priced apps until 8.30, huh? Half-priced apps, pretty drink, good. Drinks, drink specials. Some yep. vodka, some vodka drink specials. Uh, there are going to be some giveaways too, um, and more importantly, like Mike and I love seeing everybody and talking shop and talking Friar basketball. So, if you're in town for the game, if you're a local of Rhode Island, Providence, swing by. You're probably gonna have, you're gonna have dinner anyway, so you might as well have dinner at the Black Sheep and talk some Friar hoops. We'll do a Q and A and all that stuff. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time. Uh, we're looking forward to it and hope to see as many uh, Friar fans there as possible. Yeah, I'm jacked up about it. Um, yeah, I believe it's it's natural seltzer or neutral. Jeez, better not screw it up. Uh, they'll be doing buckets for for, for thirty bucks. Um, so and then they'll have people there as well, giving away some swag and stuff. We'll be giving away crier swag probably. Um, yeah, real excited to do this. Um, we have a we have a few uh, without teasing more. We have potentially a few guests that might be showing up that yep. a lot of people would be interested in hearing and speaking with. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to get some some good guests lined up for it. Um, we're jacked up. So hope you all can make it. Um, you know, I do think a good a good chunk of people will probably be around uh, the city the night before. So. Um, and we also kind of just felt like with the game at noon, be hectic to do it at, at game day. And to be honest, I, I just want to enjoy crushing the Georgetown Oilers. Um, so yeah, live show Friday, January 26th. We're pumped about it. So, I mean, I wish I could announce this on, on a better podcast episode. Here I am thinking, you know, coming off a win against Seton Hall, 3-0 in Biggie's play. Hopkins, Carter, Oduro, Roland. All good things, and we announced this. Unfortunately, that's not the case. But hopefully, uh, this can brighten your mood. But but yeah, live show. Anything else, POC? No, nah, man. Uh, what a, what a couple emotional twenty four hours here. Uh, but I think the good thing is Providence has a special community. We're going to rally around the team. Um, Providence and its DNA is an underdog team. And we're always like the plucky underdog who seems to accomplish things, but nobody's expecting us to. So let's see what let's see what Kim English can concoct uh, in the lab, and just continue to support the team because they're going to need it more than ever. And remember, we still have a really talented roster without Hopkins. We have a two-headed monster that ninety percent of the college basketball would beg to have in Carter and Odoro, and we have a lot of really solid pieces around them. So hope is not lost. 
continue to support the Friars. And this is still an NCAA tournament team, in my opinion. So let's see what they can do with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I just kind of going off those sentiments, I'll, I'll have two quick shout-outs before we get out of here. Uh, one, um, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Infantry Friar last night. Uh, w- one of the accounts. Good dude. Uh, his name's Paul. Um, really cool meeting him. Big fan of what we do. So we're always appreciative of that stuff. So shout-out to Infantry Friar. And then my other shout out would just be to the PC burner community in general. Um, they're hurting right now, like, like we are, BOC. Uh, I saw a tweet from one of them, I believe, Trippy Mindset, who tweeted out that they'll all be jumping off 10th floor of McVinney tonight. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully they don't do that. Um, but their support this year has been outstanding. Um, and I know, I know for a fact, some of the B- PCBC community will be at Black Sheep that Friday for sure. So shout out to those guys. Uh, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Just, picture a bunch, Just picture a bunch of the burners on the top floor of because <laughs> Hopkins got injured. Oh man, I'm losing. That responded. That must have created the burner after he saw the tweet because the Twitter handle was the Virgin Tower, and he's like, "I can't wait to be with my boys for the Virgin Tower plunge." <laughs> uh, sometimes in tough times, you just gotta laugh, you see. You just gotta laugh. All right. That'll do it for another episode of the Province Crier Podcast. We'll see you later. I'll see you guys.